listeners, you are listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and com. I am your host, Zach Gandra. With me, as always, is Steve, the inimitable, immutable Gandra. How are you, Steve? I'm trying to figure out whether I'm inimitable or immutable today. Well, we're about 90 shows in, so you should figure that out. I should know by now whether I'm inimitable or immutable or both. You should have that figured out by now. Let's go with inimitable. Okay, so we're going to ask the listeners. I totally cut you off there. Did you have something you wanted to say about immutable? I'm good. I'm good. All right. So we're going to ask the listeners something for the very first time. We've never asked you guys uh, if you are listening via internet or podcast, which, by the way, uh, we've finally taken note. Or on live radio. Well, or yeah, on live radio. But I'm not speaking to the live radio audience right now. I'm speaking to the iTunes and the Stitcher the Stitcher people. So if you are an Android person, we are now on Stitcher app, which means if you're an Android guy, you can listen to, or girl, you can listen to us on the Stitcher app. So we've expanded our audience a little bit to the Android users. Yay. Uh, the other thing was, hey, can we ask a favor of you guys? If you love the show, will you go ahead and sign on to your iTunes account and your Stitcher app? Just hit the like button. And even better, write down a comment. Say, hey. I love these guys. Zach's hilarious. Steve, just, man, he's... He's inimitable. He's inimitable. He just cannot be copied ever, at all and uh, often immutable. You just can't get him to shut up. Yeah, that's right. It's beautiful. So <laughs> go ahead and do that. Go ahead and hit the like button there or uh, send us a comment. We would love for you to comment on the end of our... Even if you hate the show. If you hate the show, go ahead and write it in the comment because be, believe it or not, there's no such thing as bad press. So we want to hear from you and uh, it helps us... Get the message out to what we're trying to do. And what is that message, Steve? Do you happen to remember? Help the, the message good guys is win? we help the good guys win. That's it. We're helping, trying to help the good guys and, win. And speaking of good guys, we've got some great guys. On, right. On, you're pretty stoked about today's today. guests. Yeah. I'm, well, yeah. Uh, what you're going to hear, listeners, is about a miracle that's taking place in the Rainier Valley. Uh, Michael Mott and Bob McCambridge are with us today. Uh, to tell us about the Nativity School, which is one of many around the world that's kind of new to the Seattle area last couple of last couple of years or so. Yep. But phenomenal model of a education system that's reaching out to inner city kids who would never have the opportunity to you know get a first caliber high quality education and producing phenomenal results of you know basically breaking the cycle of poverty you talk about a culture changing miracle these guys are doing it awesome well let's welcome to the show here's our clap track hey guys yeah way to go guys <laughs> welcome no, thank to, you. welcome to the show thank you for the introduction it's great to be with you both awesome yeah so um uh we, we want to hear from this from both of you guys but maybe michael why don't you you start out and just kind of tell our listeners um you know about who you are the work you do, your history at Microsoft, why you're doing the work with the Nativity School now, and you know what the model is and why it's working. That, yeah, that'd be great. And again, thanks for having us. It's, uh, it's a real honor to be with you guys and, and to be able to talk about something that's impactful as, uh, as the Seattle Nativity School. Um, so the Nati- Seattle Nativity School is like many Nativity Schools, and you mentioned there's many around the world. There's about 60 operating in the U.S. today. And what it does is it, it's a middle school that provides a uh, high, you know, world-class education through extended day, extended year, uh, and small class size uh, curriculum, uh, and in our case, a STEM curriculum, which is perfect for, for a region like Seattle. Uh, 
uh, in the efforts of empowering uh, families that are, you know, struck uh, by poverty uh, to, to break that cycle through education. Um, and the, uh, the model has been in operation for about 40 years. Uh, it started down in the, uh, in the Lower East Side of, of Manhattan when, when a group of Jesuits and Jesuit volunteers recognized that, uh, you know, the kids were not able to succeed in high school. They were falling too far behind because they were struggling with the things that um, not a lot of us have to deal with, whether, you know, in some cases it's about eviction, maybe it's a single parent who's holding down two jobs and isn't there to help them with their homework, uh, maybe it's the, the fact that they're the first English speaker in their family. Um, and so these kids, uh, while they wanted the opportunity and, and had the intellectual capability, the environment wasn't really there to help them ultimately succeed. So, so this group of volunteers and Jesuits opened the first nativity school in New York, and, and from that sprung a model, um, which you know has some of those elements that I mentioned, um, uh, the extended day the extended year, the small class size. Um, but it also has elements that are, I think, more holistic uh, in the development and support of these kids and their families. And that's, that's really about educating the whole child and, uh, and helping them to grow socially, helping them to grow spiritually, and building in them a sense of confidence and responsibility that the gift of education that they're being given is something that they should, they should then uh, take full advantage of and bring back to their community. Yeah, you know, what really amazed me, and I want you to speak to this, Michael, or maybe, Bob, you can speak to this. Um, uh, when you look at the statistics, n n you know, these are kids that ordinarily uh, would probably just be school dropouts, you know, maybe middle school or high school dropouts, and the outcomes are 90% graduates to college prep high schools, 80% of the high school graduates go to college, uh, you know, what phenomenal results you guys are producing. Uh, you know, this is a miracle. I mean, what's, what's causing it? Well, maybe I'll just jump in and turn it over to Michael briefly. This is Bob. I, I think that there's a shared responsibility, a shared vision, and really a shared accountability between all the stakeholders that are involved in Nativity School. First comes the students, the curriculum, the volunteers' energy, and their background and capabilities the board led by Michael as the board chair, the staff, the many different influences that are part of this are really all part of a unified mission to make sure that the kids have what they need to be successful, but at the same time, those kids and their families in whatever constitution they come are committed and really accountable for the work and for the uh, accountability associated with uh, getting the work done to enjoy the benefits of this education. So it's really a I think a, a very successful model that's shared among all the participants, um, the underlying values, um, the strength of the curriculum, um, the, the rigor of the education uh, in balance with fun and community and strong values and support really creates a very, very constructive environment where all kids can learn and be successful. Yeah, Bob, I think that's great. You hit on two of the key words, you know, a sense of mission that uh, – that permeates the organization, uh, and that mission is really about empowering through education uh, and, and, you know, building out the uh, confidence uh, and providing hope and inspiration um, that allows them to, uh, to break that cycle. Uh, and then the, the last word I'll add to it was, is, um, is high expectations. 
Um, we we have, we set a high expectations for our kids, and and we know that when you set expectations and you have that that uh, community of of accountability, that those expectations are are often achieved and exceeded, regardless of what the the challenges might be for those kids intellectually or or socially or economically. Um, so those are three great words: mission, accountability, and high expectations. That um, that I think are woven through what the, uh, the, cult- the culture has been for Nativity School and certainly as part of the Seattle Nativity School culture. Yeah, so, so Michael, as you know, this is, this is a show about culture, and it's a show about how culture, time and time again, as Peter Drucker taught us, as the father of management, eats strategy for breakfast. Uh, Jesuit education has been around for, what, hundreds of years, and has you know everybody knows about um, everybody knows about Georgetown. Everybody knows about Gonzaga and their success, especially in basketball season, as, we, as we're just you know coming to the close of you know. But both both athletically and academically, everybody knows that Jesuit education is a world class model of educating at the post grad level, and in many cases even in the prep level, the high school level. Uh, but but what you guys are doing is you're, you're touching middle school age kids who don't have you know, the opportunity that a typical prep school level child would. And you're talking about really important words that every corporate executive you know, uses the buzzwords like mission you know, and accountability and values. But there's something going on below the surface that causes that, let's just take that word accountability uh, I mean, this is not about, uh, and, and I really want you to speak to this, because so many folks who, who uh, experienced uh, Jesuit education in years past um, get the model of, okay, this is just a highly you know, disciplined, top-down, you know, heavy authority figures at, at the top that just marshal these kids and force them to do the right thing and just force them to do it until they get in the habit of doing it right and uh, if they don't, you know, there's a lot of, you know, heavy consequences to go with that. Uh, that's not at all what you guys have got going on. But how in the world are you are you able to engage the free wills of all of the people who are involved, especially the students, uh, on a on a we want to do this basis, not just uh, you know you have to because we're heavy-handed disciplinarians. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that right after the break, guys. we got to take a quick break, commercial break, pay the bills, and we'll be back with the answer to that question and more on Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and ExcellentCultures.com. We'll be right back. Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy, to-do list, done, supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull, and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better, that politics crush people, innovation, and creativity. And before you can say rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? It's not just your corporate strategies, it's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500, or a new biz and want to get it right, Excellent Cultures can bring you back to awesome, because they get it. 
What they know for sure? You don't need another consultant. Excellent Cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms, they go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data, not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, and everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI. And we're back with Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and we have some Steve I mean I will say this, you kind of, you kind of, you led up to a question about Jesuit education, forgetting that the other guy in the studio with you right now is a Jesuit graduate. (laughs) I am a Seattle prep graduate. Well, you're you're forgetting uh, that the other guy in the studio who's paid, is who paid your tuition. That's right. Jesuit education. Man, that's a good point. Thanks for that. I was telling, I was telling Steve the other day that my cumulative grade point average in a Jesuit high school was 2.73. And my graduated college with a cumulative grade point average of three five. Yeah, so, so it worked. College was yeah. a lot easier than high school for me. <laughs> uh, well, so anyway, I, I threw Michael a question out of left field before our commercial break, and uh, you know, for, for people who who you know have this opinion that okay, we're rounding up these these kids and pulling them out of the poverty level, and we're uh, marshalling accountability with militaristic. We'll throw heavy, out the fact that the, the stat here that I'm looking at for the school, uh, the Seattle Nativity School, is a 97 percent daily attendance. Attendance, rate. yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly. Amazing. So, 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 what are you doing? Driving to their, driving to their homes, picking them up in armored cars dragging with them out police of bed. guards, dragging them out of bed. Come on, Michael. How's this? You know, what's the miracle behind this? How's it work? Well, you, you know, Bob touched on this a little bit. You know, the the parents. Uh, and grandparents or social workers, whoever's involved with these kids' lives, uh, you know, says yes to education as the opportunity to step out of the situation that they're in. And then, and the kids buy into it. But to your point, they have to step into an environment that's supportive, that's nurturing. You know, it's got some of those buzzwords, but it's also, like you mentioned, it's got something special. And, and we do think that the, the Jesuits, with their 450 years of education, that was really founded based on serving those kids who couldn't afford education. I mean, we're, we're familiar with Gonzaga and Georgetown and Seattle Prep and, and the campuses and the great education they provide, but the first school here in Seattle was, was a f- tuition-free school, just like the Nativity School, serving the immigrant populations that were making their ways out to the, you know, to the Northwest to find their, in their case, find their way out of poverty or to opportunity. So, in many ways, the Nativity School is a return to what the Jesuits had done 450 years ago or 120 years ago here in Seattle. 
Um, and it's based on a couple key things that um, that I want to share here, which are, you know, and they're not none of them. You'll you won't hear discipline or detention or retribution or you know, Sister Mary Knuckles uh, in any of this. I had one really, of those, by the me way. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, anyone in Catholic education has one of those. I mean, if you're if you're older than forty, you had one in public education. I, w- I won't mention her name in case she's listening. I'm still scared of her. <laughs> but um, but in, in our case, you know, there's these, they have these Jesuit charisms, which really permeate the school. And, and I think it's, to your point, Steve, it's, it's kind of the, uh, beneath the, the, um, the, the uh, buzzwords are these areas, um, open to growth, intellectually competent, religious, loving, and committed to doing justice. Mm. And That's those great. last three are important to me because those... Those are unique, and, and, and it says religious. It doesn't say Catholic. It doesn't say Christian. It says right. religious, and that's, that's important for us, too. Uh, 50% of our school is, is not Catholic, not Christian, um, and, uh, you know, the other 50%, you know, is a small percentage of that is actually practicing Catholic. So we like to say we do this because we're Catholic, not for Catholics. And, um, and I think that's been the Jesuit charisms, whether it's been the communities they've served when they first started many years ago in Spain and France and Italy, or it's been when they, uh, when they arrived here in Seattle. So um, we spend, and I should say we spend, the, the great staff at Nativity spends each day not only reinforcing these, um, these charisms uh, and expectations, but also rewarding them on Friday each week. You know, they will identify a student who, was, who demonstrated intellectual competence through that week, or somebody who was particularly loving and supportive, um, you know, and, and if there was a moment where somebody was, you know, stopped a bullying incident or broke up a fight or, you know, or got between two friends who were arguing over an issue, you know, that, that idea of committed to justice gets highlighted as well. So that's a, that's a special part about Nativity, and what I love about it is it's a return to what made Jesuit education so important so many years ago yeah. um, in so many ways. Well, uh, any any business leader or education leader who would be listening uh, is is and looking below the surface is hearing some really critical issues here. Yeah, you've got a mission. Yeah, you've got values. You call them charisms, uh, but the difference is uh, in in most organizations. You know, everybody has mission and values these days, but you guys have found out a way to live them. And live them in a way that is driven by free wills of human beings, including free wills of middle school students and their parents and grandparents or whoever supporting it. You know, these guys are doing this because they want to, not because someone's forcing them to. Yeah. Yeah, and it's hard. I, I will tell you, I don't know about you. I know we, we went back in time a minute as we thought about our, our previous teachers. But, you know, these kids are in, in school. A uh, typical t- school day for them will start around 730 in the morning. Mm. Uh, where they will be dropped off uh, or they'll take a bus, you know, and their mom might come up from Puyallup in, in the case of one of our students and drop off her, her son and then make her way to her, her job during the day. And he, um, he'll join at 7 o'clock in that case. And, and then they have breakfast together. Um, you know, they spend time as, as a community. Uh, they hear from the president principal on that day. Uh, you know, about the, the theme for the day, maybe it's about um, maybe it's about continuing to improve upon our our academic performance or the commitment to doing the homework 
uh, or maybe it's about the um, about the food bank that they're going to go serve at uh, over the coming you know couple of weeks. So there's an opportunity as a community both to talk about what's coming and, and what the expectations are. Excuse me, um, did you just say you have middle school students serving at a food bank? Well, they'll go and they'll they go to a place called uh, First Harvest, which is a uh, it distributes food to different food banks, and they spend days. Um, one of the days there, uh, basically uh, sorting pears and apples and making sure they were getting into the crates that were going to make their way to various food banks uh, around Seattle. So, um, and that's part of that uh, committed to doing justice, but it's got, an, it's got a secondary benefit, which is um, when, when you, or in this case these kids, feel like they have value, they're making an impact, they're making their, someone's lives better, they themselves as valuable um and and that's important that's amazing for them to develop that confidence so so a big part of giving is actually getting and it's getting confidence and it's seeing that value so um so yeah that's an example of 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 us in that in that case living one of our values um but then throughout the day, what happens is we'll snap like any other good school. It's time to get down to, to class work. And, um, you know, we have small class sizes. We have some really dedicated teachers that have taught in inner city schools. So working with, you know, communities um, that face some of the same challenges as, as our kids do here. Um, and they're truly dedicated because they've been here since 730. And they actually won't go home in many cases until the end of the school day, which, uh, which happens for us at closer to 5:30. Um, so when we wrap up the day at 3:30 uh, for for I'll call it the classwork, we then spend time in study hall, uh, and we have this wonderful combination of uh, volunteers who come from either some of the local high schools, maybe some of the local universities, Seattle U, Seattle Prep, uh, Holy Names, for example, uh, and we just have some great people who come down who are reading buddies, and they spend time from 3.30 to about 5.30 helping to remediate some of the challenges that these kids face in reading, uh, uh, mathematics, and in science. Um, because many of them arrive at sixth grade at Seattle Nativity School at the third grade or fourth grade reading level, uh, science level, and math level. So we've got to make up some time. And uh, this extra time in the day, uh, and the extra time with volunteers, whether it's reading aloud or one-on-one tutoring, um, really helps to kind of close that gap. Uh, and I say, you know, your point was these kids are dedicated. You bet. I mean, I think about staying to, my kids staying to school till 530 or even worse, having to go to school, you know, from basically the end of June, June to about mid-July so that they can, um, again, work to close that gap. Uh, the kids and their parents deserve a lot of credit, to your point, for um, exerting the will yeah. to uh, make that choice. Well, if, you're, if any of you are listening from outside of, you know, on podcast uh, from around the world or outside of the greater Seattle area, and I'm sure you are, uh, we just heard Michael say that you gave an example of a parent who gets up and drives their child from Puyallup to Seattle. That's a 35-mile commute for a child that could be going to a public school for free, Mm. uh, taking parents' gas money and time and energy to drive them 35 miles to the Nativity School. Uh, you got to really want to do that to put forth that kind of effort. And whatever it is you guys are doing, uh, the magic behind the miracle of the the Nativity School, um, 
is really something special that real anybody could learn from. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think, and you know what's nice is there are more schools that are adopting some of the mechanisms, that, you know, or the mechanics. I would say of the school, the extended de- extended day and extended year in some cases. And but I think what makes the nativity school special is that we um, we go we go beyond just the academics. Um, you know, and I, I mentioned some of the things that we do in terms of helping out in the community, but we also. Um, you know, we want these uh, students to, we want them to be great citizens. In fact, um, we actually don't want them just to succeed in middle school. You know, our work happens from sixth grade to eighth grade, you know, from a day-to-day perspective, but our job is not done. We actually hire uh, a role called the graduate assistant that works with the students as they prepare to go to high school and then works with the counselors in the local high schools to make sure that they are navigating what is a, an entire new world of challenges, um, whether it's social and, and maybe it's their first prom or it's academic. Um, you know, they've had mathematics, but have they had physics? Have they had graphic design? In many cases, the first computer that the, the kids will be exposed to will be the tablet that's at Seattle Nativity. So um, there's a whole new set of challenges at high school and level, and we as Nativity, as a community, uh, feel it's our responsibility to help them navigate with the help of the high schools through to that next level um, because we know how m- much better a person's life will be when they get a high school uh, diploma, and obviously it can get that much better as they go to a two-year vocational school or onto a, onto a four-year university. Uh, and in many cases, we're involved with that process as well. Although we're young, the model has been around for 40 years, and, and we have some graduates of the Portland Nativity School that are currently attending Seattle University, Seattle Pacific, Portland University. And so we know that the model works and is turning out some great kids from environments that would otherwise have made it very difficult for them to get there. That's amazing. So the website, seattlenativity.org, is that correct? <laughs> That's exactly right, seattlenativity.org. Okay, so I'm throwing out the website right there because we've got to go into break. But before we go into a break, if you're somebody that's like, this is amazing, I want to get involved in something like that, you guys allow people to volunteer and come on board and help and serve there as well, correct? We do. We yeah. do, absolutely. Other yeah. than outside what you said, the Seattle University students or you know other other schools coming in to help out. That's right. That's exactly right. Okay, Reading perfect. buddies or math buddies. Awesome. Bet. So you heard it, guys. SeattleNativity.org. You want to get involved, go there now. Check the uh, volunteer button. I'm looking at it right now. Get involved, volunteer button. Or, hey, send a donation. They got donate buttons, too. Uh, we got to go into a break to our next segment. You are listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and com. We'll be right back. Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy. To-do list, done. Supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull, and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better. That politics crush people, innovation, and creativity. And before you can say, rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? It's not just your corporate strategies, it's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. 
Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500, or a new biz and want to get it right, Excellent Cultures can bring you back to awesome because they get it. What they know for sure? You don't need another consultant. Excellent Cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms. They go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data, not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, and everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI. We're back on Clay 1180, Biz Culture Matters and ExcellentCultures.com. Today we are speaking with Bob McCambridge and Michael Mott of the Miracle in the Rainier Valley Seattle Nativity School about the amazing culture they have built that is, you know, liberating middle school students from the poverty cycle and turning them into phenomenal, well-educated, high-performance human beings. Uh, just an amazing story. I'd like, I, I'd like both of you guys, if you could, to respond to, you know, this next question of, you know, uh, what's your vision, you know, for an ideal culture of ethics, values, and employee engagement? You know, how, how do you make that happen? And you guys, you're, you're gone beyond employee engagement to, I mean, your customers are, are students and parents, you know, who are engaged. You know, give us, give us your vision. Sure. I'll, I'll start, and then, Bob, I think it would be great to get your perspective as well. Um, you know, the, the vision that we have is, is, is really to um, – is is the ability for all of us to affect uh, people's lives in a positive way and, and a sustainable way. Um, you know, I, I always the the vision that I use quite often is the idea of a pebble in a still pond, and this idea of you know, well, it's only one kid. Well, that one kid, the ripple of that child's life as it evolves can be very significant. And so, you know, we've seen this in in, in action where. The fact that parents of a student at Nativity, they, they start to feel more valued, and they have higher expectations for their kids that are in that family. So if, the fa- if it's a family of five, you know, the other two kids in that family start to now see what's possible. They see confidence. They see growth. They see opportunity. You know, I was talking to a mother the other day, and, and I was mentioning that not, we were not only going to be there for her, for her son's uh, middle school, but that we were going to help him get into high school, and that if he had the desire that we would be there to help him get into university. Now, we wouldn't be able to pay for it, but we certainly would help him navigate financial aid. And, you know, with the Jesuit relationships, there's things that we can do to make sure that that child has every opportunity if they have the uh, capability and desire. And you could just see, like, she, that was not even on her radar. 
you know, she kind of welled up a little bit, and, and, and it was very moving. So that little pebble, um, and whether it's that pebble's a donation, or it's an hour of your time, or it's the student, um, the ripple effect of, of that student's life, or that hour of time, or that, you know, $1,000 or $100 donation that allowed us to buy the advanced math program that we now use, those ripple effects um, ultimately have a, a big impact. So that's, that's the visual I use because a lot of people say, well, what, you know, how does it get to scale? And I go, I don't know how it gets to scale, but I know there's 60 of these schools today, and they've touched thousands of kids' lives. And if all of those lives have touched two other lives, you know, or five other lives, we're talking hundreds of thousands of people, um, and, and isn't that scale? So, um, so that's, and that's what I think donors buy into. Um, I think that's what our board has bought into. Uh, I think that's what the staff has bought into. And, you know, they had a great story the other day about a student who was so, their, their confidence in mathematics was so low that they weren't engaging. Uh, but they found a math buddy, and in the extended day part of the, the class or the curriculum, um, they, were, they were doing their math uh, more on their own, each kind of each week. And they, and they just took a test, and it was the best grade that this individual had gotten on a test since they started at the school, so it was clearly climbing. And, um, and the teacher just said, like, that for him, that was his pebble in the, in the still pond, right? He was like, I, it's, it's making a difference. And so um, I, think, I think we have that uh, mentality across the, across the organization. It's huge. It's huge. Bob, what are your thoughts on the, along those lines? Well, great, great thoughts, great questions, and great comments, Michael. Uh, it's, it's really an honor to be involved in support of Seattle Activity School. But to go back to Steve's question about an ideal culture and, and how what the Seattle Activity School is is doing uh, and can do to contribute to that, I just maybe talk about two bridges. The the first is a bridge that you see in the results of the of the students with the support of the families and the other stakeholders coming out of the Nativity School, with over 90% of the Nativity School graduates around the country completing high school versus a, a national percentage of 50%. So almost double the uh, the results and performance there, and, and almost 90% of those students going on and getting a tour of four-year college degree. So you can quickly see within this four-, six-, or eight-year cycle, from a CEO's perspective, a way to affect in a material, sustainable change in the culture that these students are going to be uh, educated in, working in, in the communities that they're living in, and the service uh, mentality that they have when they come out of this program. So that's the first bridge, is that success that they carry with them of knowing how to work, how to study, how to relate to people who are different than, than them, how to ask for help, how to give help, and how to commit themselves to keep pushing themselves. That success through high school is building a great bridge to public and private universities, trade schools, and increasingly technical schools all around the world, and, and especially here in the United States, where our competitive advantage from a, from a success point of view has everything to do with the kinds of kids that are coming out of the Seattle Activity School that succeed in high school, that bring with them the confidence, as well as the ability that the Jesuits teach to live kind of a self-examined life, to always be looking back at who you are, where you came from, is there more you can do, is there something different you should do? What are you learning from in terms of the environment you're in? Are you, are you serving people that need help? And are you at the same time doing the best job you can given the opportunity and the challenges that you have? And that kind of bridge to college 
is resulting in terrific uh, graduation rates, success rates. Uh, I sit on the board of Gonzaga University, and I see first-time uh, immigrant family students coming to Gonzaga University, and they always raise the bar. They raise the bar with their work ethic, with their passion, with their sense of humor, their sense of uh, awareness about why the opportunity is so great. And that raises the tide for everybody at the university. So I think these bridges from Seattle Antivity School through high school to post-high school opportunities reinforce the kind of life success stories that really, in a, in a short few years, can have a material impact on a neighborhood, on a community, on the state of Washington, and with these schools scattered around the country. You know, in a cycle of six to eight years, we're really, as Michael said, dropping enough pebbles to create enough ripples that it's starts to create a wave. Yeah, that's yeah, great. It's huge. Well, it, it's really interesting to hear you guys talk about what, what I'm going to call this culture of service over self. Uh, we, you know, at Excellent Cultures, we have the opportunity to work with some of the greatest companies in the world and helping them enhance and improve and build great cultures. Uh, not long ago, we had one of our clients, uh, Jack Hollis, the vice president of marketing for you know, Toyota, the largest car company in the world, you know, on the show. And when we asked him some of these same questions about culture, uh, you know, we were talking about, you know, what's the opposite of a good culture and what derails it. One of the first things that he told us is that if you have this what about me mindset anywhere in your culture where it, it gets to the place where it's it's what about one of the, the dark signs of a bad culture is where everybody is interested in what's in it for me, what's, uh, what is it, you know, what about me, what can I get out of it, that, you know, that's the first step of really headed down, you know, the, the wrong track that's going to derail the effectiveness of your business in a major way. And what I hear you guys saying is that what, what you're teaching students at a middle school level by example and by structure and by process and by best practices is how to build, live in, and embrace a culture of service, uh, which is huge. I mean, you, you look at uh, Gallup now tells us that 70% of our workforce in the United States are effectively disengaged, and uh, you have anything but disengagement happening at the Seattle Nativity School. There is not 97% uh <laughs> participation rate at, uh, you know, name, name your local company. <laughs> yeah, name, yeah. <laughs> or attendance, right. attendance, yeah, 97% yeah. attendance. You know, voluntary, you know, yeah. voluntary yeah. attendance, fully engaged attendance. Right. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's amazing. So uh, tell us, uh, tell us, you guys, where have you seen, you know, you've been around the block. Bob, you know, you're a business leader as well as a contributor and a board member, you know, to the Nativity School. You know, Michael, you've got a former career at, at Microsoft. You guys have been around the block. Where have you seen this this value system of service over self start to deteriorate in organizations? I mean, what should the leaders who are listening to this show watch out for as trouble signs in their culture? And that is a perfect time for a commercial break. You've listening to bit. You're going to remember that question, Steve. Uh, I remember it. I'll never All forget right. it. Uh, you've listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM at excellentcultures.com, and of course, check out seattlenativity.org. We'll be right back after this message. Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy. 
To-do list, done. Supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull, and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better. That politics crush people, innovation, and creativity. And before you can say, rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? It's not just your corporate strategies, it's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500, or a new biz and want to get it right, excellent cultures can bring you back to awesome because they get it. What they know for sure? You don't need another consultant. Excellent Cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms, they go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data, not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, and everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now, or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI. We're back on Clay 1180 with Biz Culture Matters and ExcellentCultures.com. Today we're interviewing... Bob McCambridge and Michael Mott of the Seattle Nativity School, uh, an amazing miracle of high-performance, engaged culture, 97% attendance rate, phenomenal statistics. Make sure you go back and listen to the rest of the show on podcast at excellentcultures.com slash podcast if you didn't hear it because this is, this is a miracle. Uh, the question that I asked right before the commercial break was, uh, where have you seen this culture of service over self that you've done such a phenomenal job of building at the Seattle Nativity School? Where have you, what are the trouble signs? Where have you seen it start to deteriorate? What should leaders watch out for? Yeah. Well, maybe well, I'll, I'll start. Yeah, why don't you get them. started, and then I'll yeah, wrap. So Michael, for wrap it up, but, uh, you know, so often in business where uh, companies struggle and where uh, initiatives uh, fail, is when there's a lack of focus on solving a real problem for a real customer. And what I mean by that, by example, is especially here in the Northwest where we're uh, blessed with so many uh, tremendously talented uh, individuals working in technology companies, building technology for the sake of technology itself is most often a dead-end road. But using technology to really identify a way to improve a customer's experience, uh, a consumer's life, uh, a community's ability to deliver their services, those are the kinds of things that create an awareness that leads to a culture of not only service, but I think service excellence. And so in business, uh, we should value uh, just as much of our employees' awareness and contribution as it relates to solving first and foremost customer uh, issues, because we know that if we take care of the customer issues, we'll have a lot of customers. 
we know if we have a lot of customers, we'll have a growing business, and the people that help us invest and grow that businesses will be well rewarded. So it really is a virtuous circle, and I think whether it's in business or whether it's how we value our employees' time and the volunteerism that they give. Michael uh, spent many years at Microsoft where there's a great value in uh, employees' uh, contribution of time and resources to uh, companies and volunteerism. I think as a business leader, we should really underscore reward, and I think recognize uh, those kinds of contributions that individual employees make, both customer-facing and also on the volunteer service uh, focus. Yeah, Michael, take it from yeah. there. No, great, great points, and I think um, I'll build on that because, I, you know, you, you talk about a, a mission, and quite often mission can be uh, trivialized, you know, you can... But um, but if if it's truly that if you if you look at what it means, um, and and then you put the right uh, I'd say to to Bob's point in terms of the customer problem in, in our world the customer problem or the the thing we're trying to help solve is 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 addressing poverty systemically through education uh, by by attacking it where it's most vulnerable, which is in those middle school years. So we found the right leverage point. I think identifying the right pain point is is critical. But then not forgetting why uh, why you're there, uh, whether it's a, whether you're a, a, as a board member or a donor, or if you're a teacher, or even even the parent. What are we here for? We, Gene Cohen, who's our vice chair, um, says it well. It's about the kids, and that becomes kind of a rallying cry. And anytime it becomes about us or about the, the church, or, or it becomes a, about, you know, the personalities of the teachers, we've lost our way. So we use that as a centering statement quite often, which is it's about the kids, and whether it's where we focus our dollars or where we focus our hiring or how we have a conversation about making a hard decision about facilities, it really comes down to is this the best thing for helping these kids break the cycle of poverty through education and help them to be successful so that they can assume the responsibility of helping out, you know, 20, 60, 600 kids just like them. Um, and any time, you know, I like to joke that I'd rather have board members who, who want to do uh, cleanup days than go to golf tournaments. Um, and nice. I think that's a little bit, you know, of, of what the mission and culture is about. So I think it's when you're identifying your employees uh, or your board members or even your donors, making sure that that they are aligned with it's about the kids and, and understand what the mission is about um, and that those two things are need to be ex- exhibited uh, not only in what we say but what we do and what we reward and what we recognize, then I think you've got the ability to maintain it. Uh, I have seen it too often become, you know, mission statements that become too ethereal, not aligned back with who you hire or why you hire them, and certainly not aligned with the rewards program. And once those things happen, then you just, the culture just erodes. There's no foundation for it any longer. Uh, the mission statement is, is an empty shell, um, and all the, all the meaningful foundation pieces that, um, that would ensure that it could sustain and, and succeed, I think, erode very quickly. So, um, so maintaining that, uh, that mission and then the commitment to mission through metrics through hiring, uh, through the things that you celebrate uh, and the way that you act, 
um, and, and the way that you um, present yourself is, is critical to sustaining it over yeah. time. What a phrase. Talk about a culture-building phrase. We'd rather have board members that would want a cleanup day rather than a golf tournament. <laughs> like, that is a foundational team-building well, Hello. it's definitely it's definitely it's definitely going to get you the good guys, yeah, and and not the freeloaders. Yeah, I wrote that down. We're going to tweet that. <laughs> you know, uh, and and I mean, what a what a statement for you know business leaders, you know, that are listening to this show, and there's tons of them. Uh, you know, uh, put your dollars behind something like this mission that is bearing fruit you know, changing lives for the better, you know, creating corporate citizens that already have a culture of service in their heart yeah. that you don't have to teach them when, you know, when you hire them. I mean, they, they come, you know, they come to work with a culture of service in their heart because they lived in it, you know, at the Seattle Nativity School and this great work. They lived the miracle, yeah. you know, as a middle schooler on up, and their parents have lived the miracle and experienced it. You know, uh, nobody nobody gets ninety seven percent participation. People that have you board know. members that are more about a cleanup day than a golf tournament do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I just love that. I, I mean, that is awesome. Can I? Should I take my alma mater dollars now and send them to Seattle Nativity <laughs> School? I think free. you should. I kind of want to. I'm kind of wanting. Yeah. Want to. You know, I think every listener. I think every listener should. I yeah. mean, this is an amazing story. The reason we wanted these guys to be on the show is because it is a miracle. Yeah. You know, and they figured it out. It's and about they, the kids. And they built the culture that is all about the kids, and the kids are responding accordingly. And I mean, yeah. what a what, what a great example that Michael gave us earlier uh, about just, you know, what, you know, the kids going down, you know, these are, these are kids who are recipients, right. you know, of uh, a uh, food bank. Right. I mean, and, and, and they're going and serving in the food bank yeah. instead of, you know, just being the recipient. So let me, it's amazing. Guys, let me get this straight. The kids that are attending do not pay tuition or they do? They do not. They do, they not. do not. It's a tuition-free school. Amazing. Yeah, and we have a small activity fee, um, which is, and when I say small, I mean it's about $25 yeah. a year, right? So it, it's really a token gesture, um, but, um, but no, it's tuition-free education. And what we, what we strive to do, and, and we do it with the help of your alma mater, Zach, is that um, you know, many of the high schools will, will offer uh, scholarships to these kids as right. they make their way to, right. that, you know, to, to freshman year. And, um, and you know some schools do it because it's part of that Jesuit mission. Yeah. Uh, other schools do it just because they feel like that's the right environment that they want to create. It, 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 Bob said it before. Uh, you know, it, it creates, it raises the bar. Right. It sets. It, it helps to define a, a, a culture at the school that's much more representative of the world that we live in than the one that's you know somewhat guarded by uh, economic boundaries. Right. Um, and so, so we are really lucky when we have schools like Seattle Prep uh, and Holy Names not only send volunteers, but also prepare yeah. the way for the students when they're ready to go. And at that point, you know, there's another four years of education that um, they would not be able to get access to unless there were supporters Absolutely. Uh, that made that happen. That's amazing. That is amazing. I mean, I, I was just looking at some stats the other day uh, globally of – uh, you know, I'm not a teacher, guys. So, but the but the education rates in America, where there's private schooling and then there's public schooling, and then the 
there was interesting education rates in the nations that had all schooling for free. And their testing results were off the charts compared to ours. And it was uh, very interesting. I don't know how accurate the data was because it was on the Internet, you know, but but it was an interesting shocker to me. And it's a great thing to do to be able to provide quality education, not just to the ones that can afford it, but to the ones that need it. Everybody. That's exactly right. Steve, and I, um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, and there's been a charter school movement here in Seattle, which is which is some people are passionate okay. about it and yeah. some people don't see it. I think that the challenge with that that we've seen is that um, you know even those those charter schools when they're successful can help to change that dynamic, but they are um, they're lottery and yeah. you know yeah. we we actually we do have criteria for selecting our students and it's an important one. You be, you have to be at poverty level or below. Yeah. Um, and and those are the families that um, that get lost in that public school space or yeah. uh, or struggle even in even in good supportive. Uh, schools and yeah. um, so we we hope we're we're reaching families that are in the greatest need uh, and our ability to do that tuition free really comes with the help of uh, you know great supporters like Bob great board members like his wife Shannon uh, has been and and many others who make it possible you mean Shannon's down there volunteering to clean up for you <laughs> sounds like that's a requisite Absolutely. <laughs> that's a prerequisite for a board member I mean come on that's exactly yeah. it. No well, what like she does, husband. we know yeah. Bob, what she does is she drags Bob with her and he gets to clean up. <laughs> well, we like to bring the whole family. Yeah, it's that's really awesome. a great opportunity yeah. for all of us to experience uh, the joy of not only being a part of a, a service leader in leadership environment, but we get so much more out of our involvement than we could ever possibly give. Yeah. So I just think from a call to action point of view, you know, we we would love to have the the support, whether it's your time or your talents, or if you can help us financially. Awesome. Uh, Seattle Nativity School is something that we're really committed to, but we can only really make it sustainable and as successful as we want it to be with your help. Well, and it's bearing it's bearing huge fruit, huge fruit. Absolutely. All right, we got we're out of time, guys. I can't believe it. We just blazed through that. I had fifteen more questions. I, I wanted to ask. <laughs> I know you did. I know that we didn't end with the normal coaching ca- coaching segment. Uh, coaching coaches ha- coaching hat. Like ah, I can't even talk anymore. The normal coaching hat section we do for the guys. So we'll have to have them back on the show again. And yeah, we'll we definitely want to have you guys back. You know, this has been an amazing time. And, you know, again, it's the miracle in the Rainier Valley in Seattle. There you go. Stay on the line, guys. We'll chat with you right after we wrap up. Guys, thank you for listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and com. Remember, we would love for you to support seattlenativity.org. Go there now. Check it out. Um, get involved. Also, if you could help us out by logging into your iTunes, go ahead and leave a comment that you love in the show. Rate us. If you hate us, rate us. If you love us, rate us. <laughs> we would love your input, and we will be back again next Wednesday. As always, Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM. Audio.